Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Climbing the Ivy on the Fan Sided Network. This is your host, Alex Pat, alongside Adam McGinnis, as usual. The race is still tight, and we are getting down to the last few weeks of the season. Can the Cubs clinch soon? Well, we'll talk about that in the show. We will also talk about their performance as of late, as it's been very bizarre with all these games with no off days. They've had to really work their butts off. We've seen some struggles with the bats. Can they get out of that soon? We will also discuss that and more on Climbing the Ivy. Adam, welcome to the show. Howdy duty, compadre. I am dutying just fine. How about yourself? Fantastic. Good to hear. Good to hear. So let's just get right into it. Uh, The Cubs, as we are talking right now, They have won their first game in Arizona. They have two more games in Arizona tonight and the next day until they finally get a day off, which would be the first time in a very long time. They have really had to work hard over this stretch. But you look at the record overall and you'd say job well done, even though there's been a lot of frustration and some games you wish they could have won that they lost in frustrating fashion but also some games that you say, hey, we're lucky to win that one. So baseball is pretty funny like that. So going into tonight, uh, while you're listening to this, the magic number is 10. Hopefully that could drop by the end of the night. Uh, Hopefully when you're listening to this, it'll be a little smaller. But Adam, you feeling pretty good right now about their chances of getting the division? Uh, Yeah, I I still am feeling good. Uh, I still have a a little cloud of uh, doubt, if you want to call it that, or worry, uh, because it is still a really close race. And obviously, it's in the Cubs' favor still. They've got the the lead. And with, what, like 11, 12 games left, something like that, um, it's going to take, you know, the Brewers are going to have to get hot and the Cubs are going to have to get cold. So, the Cubs, they control their own destiny right now, which is comforting. Um, and the best thing to me right now has been the pitching, uh, especially yes. the starters. The starters, uh, as of late, have been very good, uh, which is exactly what you want to see heading into October. The hitters, on the other hand, I think there's still uh, a little room for them to uh, get hot. Oh, there's no doubt. And that's going to be one of the big focal points of this show is discussing that. But, yeah, I mean, a to touch on the pitching – they lost Pedro Strope to that injury in Washington, an injury that really shouldn't have happened, but unfortunately it did. Uh, real quick, what was your opinion on that whole situation? I, I'll hear yours, and then I'll give mine, and we'll see if they match up. So I know people, I know people are really uh, ticked off about it, to put it lightly, to keep it PG. Uh, there were some other words being thrown around on social media, which I cannot repeat here. Yeah. <laughs> company policy but uh i think it's just one of those unfortunate situations where you're you're mad because it happened you know if 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 strope hadn't gotten hurt i don't think anybody would have raised an eyebrow at the decision but since he did then you know people are ticked off and it is frustrating i get it i think it's just one of those 
unfortunate situations. Yeah, I mean, the way I see it is I, I don't necessarily think I wanted Strope taking that at bat. Um, I thought that if you pinch hit Tommy LaStella, you could add a few runs and give Randy Rosario some breathing room. It is worth noting that in that game, Rosario had a very easy one, two, three, ninth, very impressive. But, you know, obviously you could understand why you'd want to keep Stropin as well. Now, this is where the situation also gets tough because if your best reliever is batting, I don't want him even going up there with a bat. I want him to just stand there. But you're also pretty much giving them an out and possibly minimizing the damage you do offensively in that inning. So it was a very tough situation. You can only hope that the bullpen can still hold it together the rest of the way. We haven't really seen an official closer. We've kind of seen the by the committee. We saw Jorge De La Rosa get his first career save against Cincinnati. We saw a ninth inning where they used three guys for three outs. Uh, So it's been a little bit of a mix there, but it's still a very, very serious injury in terms of how important Pedro Strope is and a bullpen that has worked very hard. Luckily for the starters, as you added, they've gone deeper into ball games and given them a little, you can agree that the starters have been fantastic lately. Oh yeah. Yeah. So last night, uh, uh, Christopher Kamka tweeted this, that in, uh, the Cubs' last 31 games, uh, collective uh, 2.53 ERA, something like that. And then, so here's here's some stats. Cole Hamill's last nine starts, 1.7, 1.57 ERA. Lester last six, 1.73. Hendricks last six, 1.63. Quintana last six, 2.10. So that is really good to see. I mean, that that has to boost your confidence a little bit heading into the postseason. Oh, absolutely, because there were a lot of questions throughout much of the season if this rotation could even sustain like anything good in a postseason run because of their inconsistency. But what you're hoping this is is that they're getting hot at the right time. And you know, they, they can like show they that they can overcome it, yeah. Yeah, and you saw Hendricks last night was phenomenal. Oh, that was a thing of beauty. I mean, I, I almost don't count that Pollock home run. In my in my eyes, he threw a complete game shutout. It was one little home run, and yeah. he didn't get to finish the game, eight and two-thirds, but it was pretty much a complete game shutout yeah. effort right there. Yeah, regardless, it was maybe – I am gonna. I would go as far as to say that was his best-pitched uh, game of the season. Yeah, I mean, I can't really argue with that. He's had a few absolute gems, but last night – the fact that he had given up one hit to a pretty good Arizona Diamondbacks offense through the first eight innings in Arizona, a, let's face it, a ballpark that has not treated the Cubs very well overall in its history. I mean, that was just, that was a thing of beauty. And it felt like every single batter he faced, he got ahead of. That was a key thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it. what's so great about this, uh, because – you know, this, the rotation has struggled on and off all year. And there was, at one point, a time where I thought, do we even have one guy who I would be really confident with in a game one? I, I seriously wondered if there was even one guy in the rotation who would give me uh, hope for a win. Now we're at the point where you've got four guys to choose from, four solid guys. 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, right now, you could pretty much go with any of them and have a solid argument. I mean, Quintana, overall, to me, is still a guy I'd rather have down in the rotation. But the way he's pitching lately, that's some pretty good depth right there. But, yeah, I mean, Lester, Kyle Hendricks, Cole Hamels, you could probably just spin them on one of those knife wheels and throw a knife at one, not actually at them, but like a, a picture of a dartboard, you know, you're not, you don't want to throw actual knives at these guys, but you could throw and be like, okay, he's our game one starter. Fine. Why not? Why not throw actual dodge, duck, dip, dive, and dodge. Am I right? <laughs> yeah. I'll have to get my That's second. That's the only way you learn. One. So let, let me ask you this. Do you think there's a chance we see somebody like Quintana pitch out of the bullpen at any point in October? No, I don't think so. Um, I just think that you have your solidified four guys right there. Okay, I'll amend that. We could see because it if there's a game They might go seven. with three, wouldn't they? I mean, a lot of teams are going to just have their, their top three guys, and they won't have to use. I mean, it, obviously it happens, but... I don't know. I I think it's a possibility. I think it probably depends a little bit upon how the bullpen is pitching at the time. But maybe that's an unfair spot to put him in since he's never actually done it before. Well, like I said, I, I think that if you do see it, it might be in a Game 7 scenario, all hands on deck. Because if you remember, Quintana did come in in relief during Game 5 of the National Series last year. Mm. Easy to forget yeah. that. Yep, yeah, good call. So I don't think it's going to be done in the sense of we're just going to have a three-man rotation or we're just going to stick this guy in here in this um, in like an elimination game unless it's a game seven, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, yeah, I can roll with that. You know, I also wonder what kind of roles you're going to see some of the middle relievers have. I think if Pedro Strope comes back and Brandon Morrow is back, First of all, you're going to have a choice of who do you want to be your closer. Morrow is your closer, but are you worried about Rust? And can you worry about the same thing about Pedro Strope? So that's a question there. And how are we going to utilize veteran former starters, Jaime Garcia and uh, Jorge De La Rosa? Are you going to use them in big situations? Are you going to use them to mop up innings? How are you going to do it? I could see either way with those guys, and they're showing that once again, it's important to have kind of those veteran guys on the staff, guys that have started before and have the ability to go multiple innings. I think that's very key on a postseason roster these days to having a bullpen. Yeah, so I think with a lot of those guys, they're just going to have to kind of play it by ear. Um, right. You know, like, for example, with Carl, uh, like we've talked about before, it's pretty easy to tell early on in Carl's first batter whether he's got it or not. Right. And so I think the key for Joe Madden, uh, in October will be to know uh, when to pull the plug on any one of those guys, because that you're at a point uh, in that season where you, you can't take any risks anymore. And, you know, with a guy like Jorge De La Rosa, I think it's the same thing. If he's pitching well, then I say you roll with him. Uh, if you can tell that it's not going to go well, then you take no chances and you move on to the next guy. Yeah, no, I, that's, that's a very good point, and I think a very important one that Joe Mann is going to have to keep in mind. You know, I got to say, after that really disastrous start, that disastrous spot start in the doubleheader, Jaime Garcia in the bullpen 
has looked pretty dang good. It's a very small sample size, but he's given you some very clean innings. He has. Yeah, that was that was a uh it wasn't so, a pickup that I, you know, thought much of. I but uh it's just one of those things where, you know, there's 12 games left. Uh keep using him and if he keeps pitching well, then hopefully he can, you know, be of help in the postseason. Absolutely. And you hope that those guys can continue to step up as they have already, because so far Garcia and De La Rosa have done some good things in the bullpen for the Cubs. And you keep hoping you could get these good starts from your rotation. I mean, John Lester in his last start went seven shutout innings. And then you had Kyle Hendricks do his thing. Quintana's last outing, he only went five. It wasn't his best start, but he wasn't terrible. But, you know, overall, you're seeing these deep outings from these guys, and you just got to love that because Steve Ciszek has pitched his butt off. Justin Wilson hasn't worked nearly as hard as him, but, you know, he's had his work cut out for him. Uh, And now that Pedro Strope is gone and Carl Edwards Jr. has been shaky, it's going to be very important, and you want them to be as rested for potential October play as possible. Yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting because the bullpen has been working pretty hard lately. Uh, they're probably a little fatigued at this point. And, uh, yeah, so hopefully we can we can see that trend continue of these starters going deep into games. I'd really like to see that tonight from Mike Montgomery. And he talked about that today, that he wants to be going deeper into games and that he feels as good as he's ever felt this year. So, it would be really nice to see him go deep into the game tonight, uh, facing off against Andres. Uh, the Cubs have a really good shot to win the game and the series tonight. Yeah, absolutely. And it would be nice to keep uh, that magic number going down. And we mentioned the magic number for the division at 10 as we speak right now. That could be changing when you're listening to the show. But also keep in mind that right now, just for a postseason berth, the magic number is seven. So you got to really feel good about a postseason berth. The division looks good, but it's still not set in stone, in my opinion. Um, You know, again, you could have won maybe at least just one more of those games against the Brewers in those two series. Then that one game could make a big difference. But going going to the next topic, the struggles of the offense, you look at that and you got to say, wow, with the way they've struggled, it's impressive how many games they've pulled out. And it's also kind of fortunate that when the Cubs took two out of three from the Reds and only scored five runs in that series, the Brewers lost two or three to the Pirates. You know, that really helped shrink their magic number. Yeah, uh, you brought up a good point. Thinking back on all the struggles this Cubs offense has had this year, ups and downs, uh, they're at 88 wins right now with a couple weeks left. So they're going to eclipse... 90 wins again and so that that tells you that uh, how much talent is on this team that they can struggle so badly for so long at certain points and still come out with 92 93 wins maybe more uh, if they get hot but uh, I liked what I saw from the offense last night they picked it up yeah that is hopefully hopefully a turning point because You saw the offense the first night in Arizona do something that they have not done in seemingly forever. Hit the ball out of the ballpark. Because before that game, the only big home run I could think of was the game-winning home run by Ian Happ, which had to feel great for him against uh, the Reds. But 
yet Javi Baez hit the two-run homer, and I think the most beautiful one of all was Chris Bryant going opposite field into the pool area. He finally got his first home run since coming back from injury. That had to feel good for him. He had a really good night at the plate, and you can't help but hope and say, you know, Chris Bryant is looking like himself again. I certainly hope so, and it's it's ironic you bring up the home run thing because at one point the Cubs had kind of carved out an identity uh, as being an offensive team that didn't score a lot of runs unless they were hitting the ball out of the ballpark, and then it's it's been kind of the opposite lately. Uh, but it, ideally, you like to see a good mix, you know, manufacturing runs and hitting right. dingers. But uh, Javi Baez is still hitting dingers, which is awesome. He crushed one to center last night. Oh, uh, what is that, 32, 33 on the season for him? He's in the 30s, so it's something that I don't think a lot of people expected. No, I certainly didn't. Yeah, I mean, you got to give him a lot of credit there. And it's Here's the thing. We see so many players on this Cubs team, including the past few weeks, hitter-wise, go in these slumps that last seemingly weeks. Javi Baez will have a slump of a few games, but then he turns it right back on again. So he's really the most, one of the most consistent guys on the team outside maybe Ben Zobrist. Yeah. What, how about Benny boy, man, grandpa Ben, what is he like? Is he like 45 years old by now? I think well, he's more 37, like 38, but you know, I mean, that's like, in baseball years, he's like in his 70s. He's a senior citizen, and he's got the highest batting average on the team. So, you know, props to old man Ben Zobrist driving down from the nursing home, putting the team on his back. Well, that also comes uh, related to the Twitter poll that I ran about the offense. I don't know if you saw it or not, but oh, I didn't pretty- see it. You didn't see it? Well, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I let you down, partner. Well, I, I'm used to that, so I'm numb to that. Don't worry That's about it. That's a good point. <laughs> so the poll question was pretty simple. Who is the hitter you trust now on the team in a big situation? And the options were Ben Zobrist, Javi Baez, Anthony Rizzo, Chris Bryant. Ben Zobrist won the majority. 57% of the people out of 44 votes voted for Ben Zobrist. Second was Rizzo, 23%. Baez, 16%. And Chris Bryant, 4%. So a lot of people are recognizing the good work by Ben Zobrist, and it absolutely deserves recognition and some. Yeah, so that that's a that's kind of a tough one to answer because I could – could go with all four of those guys um and the, the funny thing is like all well, of those guys now have they all have plenty of postseason experience so you can't really uh you can't really talk about you know lack of uh lack of postseason at bats because they've all been there nope. plenty of times now um it, i suppose it would be easy to go with ben zobrist just because he's the only switch hitter in that group of guys and so in there's not really a uh, favorable pitching matchup uh, for any of the, the opposition, but uh, I, I think I'm going to go with Anthony Rizzo because he's the, he's the longest tenured cub on this team right now. He's really picked it up lately. Uh, he's been here a bunch of times. Uh, he's kind of seen as the, the leader captain of this team, whatever you want to call it. 
And I think he's going to really uh, step up here. You know, that's a good answer. I, I could go with either Ben Zobrist or Anthony Rizzo. Because let's face it, if you're going to choose guys who are going to give you pretty much good at-bats in that situation every single time, those are the two who are going to do it out of all yeah, those guys. Yeah, that, that's kind of what I was thinking is, you know, even when Anthony Rizzo isn't getting a ton of hits or hitting the long ball, he pretty much almost always gives you a good at-bat. You know, he's not going to strike out on three or four pitches like some guys right. are. And you know, no matter how hot Javi Baez is, there's always a chance he's going to strike out on three pitches. That's just who he is. He's, you know, he's kind right. of an all-or-nothing guy. Uh, it's not really the case with Zobrist or Rizzo. No matter what they do, if they're making outs, they're at least still giving you good at-bats most of the time. I mean, you pretty much read my thoughts right there, so I don't need to repeat it. So, yeah, I mean, definitely agree there. As for the offense as a whole... I think it's pretty obvious that everyone can see the slump of Daniel Murphy. And this was a guy who was just a hit machine the first week or two he was here. Now things are kind of dipping off for him, though I feel like the past few games he's put better swings on the ball. So if he's going to be you know, a big part of this team going forward, you hope he works out of that. I think it's fair to say we don't really expect Russell to be a hitter anymore. You just kind of expect him to be a defensive guy. Elmora is still struggling frustratingly, and you hope that Hayward can come back with some good at-bats now that he's back from injury and that Kyle Schwarber will be back very soon as well. He didn't make the trip. Is there anyone that stands out to you good or bad right now with the bat during this kind of struggling time? Well, you know, I don't need to name the good ones because those those are obvious to everybody, but I'm going to go with what you first mentioned, uh, Daniel Murphy, because there was a stretch right after they got him where he was hitting better than anyone on the team and almost kind of yeah. carrying them for a while. And yeah, now he's, now he's hit this really bad slump. And uh, so I'm not willing to write him off yet. I know there's not a lot of time left in the regular season and you, with the Brewers still sort of close, you got to roll with uh, your best chance to win. But uh, I would like to see Daniel Murphy pick it up a little bit because if he can get hot again, then he'll be an absolute weapon in the postseason. Yeah. But uh, that's that's another one that they're just going to have to kind of play by ear because if he's going to continue to slump uh, for these next two weeks, then obviously they're going to have a tough decision to make uh, once the playoffs start. Uh, he's starting tonight. He's leading off playing second base tonight. So uh, tonight's game would be a good opportunity for him to uh, prove that he belongs. Absolutely. No doubt. So yeah, you hope that he can get hot again as a few other guys. And now Ian Happ overall, things have looked pretty ugly for him recently, but his one big home run was a huge one, a game winning three run shot. I'm really hoping that can, spark something for him because that was it was such a big hit it was honestly in my opinion it was the biggest non-walk-off hit for the Cubs this year I don't know how you feel about that but that's kind of how I see it I yeah I mean to me Ian Happ and David Bodie are kind of the same guy right now the exact same player and I, I wonder if one of those guys will get left off the postseason roster. I don't know. But they're both 
Man, David Bodie. Remember when David Bodie being really good was a thing? That was fun. You know, I got to say, I'm not terribly surprised that he's gone on a drop-off. Me and look, either. If, he never, if he never regains what he had the first month in the big leagues, the fact that we had that first month from a guy that nobody knew existed before the season started, you'll gladly take that. It's better for him to come up and have some big heroic swings of the bat for just a little while than not get anything from him. I mean, he went from an unknown to this clutch hitter. Now he's kind of coming down to earth and people have figured him out, but you'll always take what he gave you in terms of the big heroic hits. Oh yeah. I I will not forget that stretch he had where he, especially that grand slam, that walk off slam. That was, that was one of the, the high points of the year for me. I mean, not only one of the big points for the Cubs, but one of the big points in baseball all season. It was cool. It was really cool. And if I had to choose between one of those guys right now, it would probably it would have to be Hap. Uh, he's yeah. got more. He's got more experience now than Bodie does. He's he's a little more proven than Bodie. And uh, you know, Hap's you know, he's kind of the same guy. They've both got really nice power potential. You could get a home run from either of those guys at any given point. But uh, it it. Hopefully Ian Happ's confidence is going back up a little bit uh, because it would be really nice uh, to get a pinch hit home run, something like that from either one of those guys in the playoffs. I don't, I don't see that from Bodie. He just, he hasn't been here before Ian Happ has. So I think you probably go with Happ. Yeah. I, that's kind of how I see it as well. And it, it sucks to see kind of, this whole thing fade away. But I mean, if you look at the reality, this could be the only time we see David Bodie in the big leagues. He may just completely fizzle out. And that was his one big league stint was this year. It happens. Yeah. I thought about that exact same thing last night that, you know, it's been a really cool story, David Bodie this year, and I'm happy for him. And I, I wish him all the best, but there is a really good chance that he may he may not make the roster out of spring next year. Like that's that's a really good possibility that that happens. Yeah, I mean, remember when the Cubs had several guys kind of like that? And again, it's not really a knock on the guy, but you know, you just got to see how he counter adjusts. Maybe it goes the other way and he does make a spot and he proves to be a valuable bench player. Maybe that happens too. I don't know, but I mean, I think the whole point I'm trying to make here is we don't really know what's going to happen with this guy in the future. And no matter what happens, we'll always have that heroic month that he put up and nothing could ever take that away from him. And he's going to remember it forever. Yeah. But you know, this is sports and that happens. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. That's just the nature of the business. But you know, the thing you also got to remember with Bodie, he'll be turning 26 years old next year in April. And that's, you know, that's not an old player uh, by sports standards, but it is kind of up there as far as when you consider that Bodie was a rookie this year. You know, there's a reason right. he didn't crack into the majors until he was 25. You got to think about that for a minute. Right. Now, late bloomers do happen. Um, they do. So yeah. can't rule that either. But yeah, you know, it is something to think about. I mean, let's face it. Chris Bryant came in 
in his early 20s, he could have easily come in earlier if he didn't go to college. I mean, oh, you're yeah. seeing the next For stars sure. come up at 18, 19, 20. Yeah, yeah. If, if Bryant hadn't played in San Diego in college, he, he, would have easily, he would have easily cracked into the major leagues at 19 or 20. I'm certain of that. Absolutely. And, you know, I really hope David Bodie can become a big league player to stay for a while because I like him a lot. He seems like a great guy. It's a great story. Just I think people need to tamper their expectations a little bit because it's very easy to see, you know, someone come up like this and do great and, you know, make big conclusions. It was never, ever, 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 ever something right to say that he was better than Chris Bryant because never was never will be not saying he can't be a good MLB ball player, but he is not better than Chris Bryant. And I think you, (laughs) I think you left out one ever. I think there should have been one more ever in that last sentence there. Okay. Uh, Okay. Ever, ever, ever three good, just for good measure. Yeah. you, You gave me 13. It needed to be 14. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, well, sorry about that, but hey, you get my point. I'm sure people will find it in their hearts to forgive you. I do. Thank you. That means a lot You're to welcome. me. You're welcome. I know it does. My aim's <laughs> to please. But yeah, yeah. you're right. It, I, I don't know that anybody really felt that way, you know, that David Bodie was actually better than Chris Bryant. That that would have been insane that, you, that you'd roll with Bodie over Bryant once Bryant came back. And, you know, and I hoped as much as the next guy that Bodie's hot streak was legitimate, that he, he was just developing into a star player. But I think we all knew in our heart of hearts that this was just a small little hot streak uh, for this guy. And, you know, everybody's tempered their expectations now, now that he's hitting 230. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, so we'll see what how, how he progresses. We'll see if he makes any adjustments. There's not much time left this season, but – you know, we'll see what the future holds for him. But either way, right. I am going to be but, rooting yeah. for the guy. Like, like you, like you said, no matter what he's doing now, there's nothing you can't take away the fact that at one point he was really big for this team and he helped them in a huge way. Oh yeah, he'll always he'll always be a hero. He'll always be a hero to the Chicago Cubs. He always will be. So cheers to Bodie. Cheers to Bodie. So we have a little time left. I kind of wanted to discuss, I, I don't like getting a header, quote unquote, jinxing anything, but look at the rest of the schedule. So two with the Diamondbacks, three with the White Sox, four with the Pirates, three with the Cardinals. Once the Cubs fly back to Chicago, they won't leave Chicago for the rest of the season. So that's nice for them. And they have that off day. It would really yeah. be cool to see the Cubs clinch as soon as possible. How do you outsee the scenario playing out, if you had to guess? So I, I think the Cubs are going to gonna do this. I think they're going to win the division. You know, two-and-a-half game lead over the Brewers. They, really, all they have to do is just not suck. They just have to be okay, finish sort of strongish, and they will win it. I'll tell you this, you know, obviously the Brewers still have a chance, but I, I'm super happy that the Cardinals' chances of winning the division are pretty much over. It's not impossible, but five and a half games out with 12 games left, you're, you're going to need a miracle. And so it really it warms 
my evil heart uh, to know that the Cardinals are not going to be winning the NL Central again. Those losers. God, I hate them so much. I just can't even put it into words. But, uh, yeah, the, the schedule is uh, in favor of the Cubs. Not a lot of breaks, but home games is good. Um, the thing I'm most looking forward to is the White Sox series because, uh, as I understood it, this is Hawk Harrelson's last season announcing for the White Sox. And he hates the Cubs more than I've ever hated anything in my entire life. And so I, I would love nothing more than to sweep the White Sox and just to hear him pout. You know, I hate that stupid cross-down series. I really do. And, yeah, I, I, just, I just hope the Cubs can go in and win. For the sake of shrinking that magic number, I don't care if it's the White Sox or not. Um, I just I want them to take advantage of a rebuilding team uh, so, you know, you go in there, hopefully you can at least win two or three. And I, I don't want any drama to happen during the Crosstown series because I find I Crosstown meatballery just so annoying. Oh, I'm all for it. I want fights. Yeah, I want people to throw down. I want to hear Hawk Harrelson breaking stuff up in the booth. But I'm all for that kind of thing. Bring it. Ugh, I Give me some theatrics. <laughs> what? Don't it. you don't you want to hurt Hawk Harrelson's feelings? Don't you want to? Don't you just want to see him cry? I I don't give two rat bombs about Hawk Harrelson. I really don't. Generally speaking, I don't either. But when he's sad, I'm happy, and you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, that is such a you thing to say, and it's it, that's not- funny. I'm not saying I'm counting on it. All I'm saying is it would just make my day that much better to know that Hawk Harrelson is, is hurt, that he's, he's not feeling well. (laughs) And I believe that is his last series. I I really think that is. Oh, that's his last series. This isn't just, I I knew this was his last season, but he's, he's done after the White Sox series. eh? I believe so. Oh, good man. How great would it be? to send him off being swept by the Cubs. That would just be poetic. Yeah, it would certainly create a lot of narratives. It would also create narratives if it were the other way around too. So you feel like this upcoming White Sox series is probably going to be one of the biggest crosstown series in a while, just considering what's on the line here. I mean, the Cubs have postseason on the line. The Sox are sending off their, you know, their, announcer that they've had for a long time and he's obviously fired up about it um but i mean the fact of the matter is the white Sox are still in a rebuilding phase though they're playing a heck of a lot better recently um i think that some of their young guys are starting to come around so it's not going to be a cakewalk i don't think and let's face it the white Sox always tend to play the cubs really well because they take that very seriously that whole crosstown thing so I don't yeah. think it's going to be an easy series by any means, but you hope you can still win that series and keep that division uh, magic number going down. Yeah, none of these series at the end of the year here are going to be easy uh, necessarily. Uh, they might make it look easy, but uh, you know these next two Diamondbacks games, Diamondbacks are a good team, and they, mm-hmm. they've got postseason aspirations, I think, don't they? Do they still have a shot? 
they have a shot, but they kind of fade every day. I, I, I think their chances at this point are pretty unlikely considering they have Ooh, yeah. two teams ahead of them that are uh, in their own division and you have the Cardinals and the Brewers. Yeah, I'm looking at the standings right now. They're they're even five games out out of the wild card. So, yeah. that Yeah, I think they're they, pretty they, much done. Yeah, they, they basically are. They're gonna, they would have to pretty much get close to winning out and then also get some help. Uh, from the other teams, which is not looking likely. Uh, man, and the Diamondbacks were in first place for a long time this year in yep. that division. It was really looking like for a while that they they were going to control that thing. And now yeah, it's kind of surprising to me that they don't even have 80 wins at the moment. Yeah, kind of, uh, kind of unraveled a bit. And I think the Diamondbacks can still finish really strong because I do think they're a good team, but – where they are mathematically, it just it's one of those things where it's more probably not like you happen. said, more has to happen than them just winning a lot. Other teams around them have to lose a lot. They have to leapfrog several yeah. teams and that just doesn't look likely. Even if even if they win most of the games, it, it's still probably not gonna happen at this point. So let's let's uh let's assume then that the Cubs are gonna win the division and the Brewers are gonna get second. If that happens, it's looking like if the Brewers don't win the division, that they're at least a lock to uh, be in the wild card. Uh, the Rockies trail the Cardinals right now by a half a game for that second wild card spot. Would you rather see the Brewers play in the Cardinals or the Rockies in that game? Um, I kind of rather see the Rockies. Um, if I had to pick a team, I'd want to play in the division series, I think it would be the Rockies. Um, because let's face it, despite the record, the Cubs really have not fared well against Brewers pitching all year. And it's been very frustrating. And I don't know, I don't really want to face the Cardinals in the division series. It just seems like the way they're rejuvenated, that could be a team that could go on a long run. So I I'm I know I'm kind of scared, but you know, yeah, you I don't want to deal with the Cardinals. I I would I would I would rather it be the Cardinals, and here's why: I think the Cubs' uh, offense would fare a little better against Rockies pitching, uh, but I I would really be seriously worried about the Rockies lineup. I think the Rockies have Me the too. kind of lineup that could just absolutely torch the Cubs. And so, and not that's not to say that the Cardinals aren't hitting well right now. They are, but I think the Cubs pitching could control St. Louis a little better than they would the Rockies. Like I don't want to, I don't want Cubs pitching anywhere near Nolan Arenado and Trevor Story right now. That's very valid, and I think that's a very good point. That is a very, I mean, none of these teams are going to be easy. I mean, no. What's frustrating is that this Brewers staff. You you face that, and it seems like no matter what, they're putting forward a good effort. Even if – I mean, look at Jolie's Chassin and the way Zach Davies has dominated that Cubs lineup. And if you don't do anything the first six innings, then you got to face their bullpen, which is almost impossible to hit. I do not yeah. want to deal with that. I think if I had to rank teams I didn't want to deal with, Milwaukee would be number one. Yeah, I, I, 
I agree with that because the Brewers on paper should not be that difficult to deal with, at least from a pitching standpoint. And the Zach Davies thing has never made sense to me that he just dominates the Cubs all the time because watching that guy pitch, like that's the kind of pitcher the Cubs should be annihilating. And they don't, they never do, which makes me want to pull my hair out every time. The types of pitchers the Cubs annihilate are 94 mile an hour fastball throwers. Like, yeah. Look at Michael Waka. Look at the, a lot of those old Cardinal pitchers that threw that. The Cubs teed off those guys. Yeah, I know. The, just the Brewers pitching staff as a whole, the Cubs should be torching those guys, and they never do, at least not recently. But, uh, you know, yeah, I, 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 think that, I think a Cubs-Cardinals division series would be awesome. Like, no, I mean, you remember 2015, yeah? Oh, I mean, that was amazing. That was That's some of the most amazing. fun I've ever had watching baseball was that series. I've never been more jacked about the Cubs. Well, I, I guess that little thing called the World Series, winning that. I was, was going to okay, say. I yeah, I mean, that was that was sort of cool, I suppose. But but uh, not counting the World Series, besides the World Series, that Cardinals series in 2015 was the, the most pumped I've ever been watching baseball. You know, I got to agree with you. And as special as winning the pennant was in 2016 – I almost felt a little more jacked, if you call it, like you said, after the Cardinals. If I had to rank, rank every series win the Cubs had, obviously one was the World Series, two would be the 2015 NLDS against the Cardinals, and three would be the pennant. Because to me, it seems like beating the Cardinals was erasing demons of the past and showed if they can beat the Devil Magic Cardinals – they could beat anybody. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's that was so I watched Hector Rondon's last out in that series on a loop after it was over. It was just over and over and over again. It was so cool. His Ew. his fist pump. Oh man. I think quick opinion. 2016 will always be the most magical year because they won the World Series, but I think yeah. really the magic felt from that year was the World Series. If you had to ask me a season I had the most fun watching Cubs baseball, it was 2015. I know they I, won 97 yeah. games, and next year they won 103, but there was something about that, the rejuvenation well, yeah. that just felt great. Yeah, because, well, because I think it was that they were early. The Cubs weren't supposed to be quite that good in 2015. It was supposed to take another year or two before right. they had, quote-unquote, arrived. And so – I think it, as soon as people realized at, at one point in the season, like, oh, my God, this, this, the Cubs could actually do something this year. I think that's, that's a feeling that you can't really recapture once you're already good. Uh, it's going to take another you know, long slump uh, before we feel that way again. And so I think that's kind of why 2015 is the big one for a lot of people. That's, yeah. I completely agree with you that I, uh, 2015 is – you know, I I always enjoy watching the Cubs, but once it hit me that that they could actually do something significant, then you're just that much more drawn in to every game. Yeah, exactly. Right on. Um, we only have a minute thirty, so we can't go into much opinions and details here. But news just broke that Morrow is done for the year. That's a big blow. Ah, oh, thanks God. Yeah. Well, that's a bummer. That, that yeah, really, it uh, is. Shucks. So, yeah, I you mean, hope that 
you hope that Strope can come back. Hopefully. I mean, I was kind of semi-expecting this anyway. Anytime something like this happens, I sort of just brace for the worst. Yeah, I know. It's You want your closer. Your closer's important, but Cubs are just going to have to make do the rest of the regular season and then figure it out in the postseason. Um, we'll definitely hit on this more on our next episode. So that'll be a topic. We'll definitely talk more in detail, so be ready for that. Yeah, I'll close games for the Cubs. You twisted my arm. I'll do it. Okay. All right. Anyway, that's going to wrap up our show this evening. We want to thank you all for listening and reminder that you could check out Cubby's Crib online and you could also check them out on Twitter where they post all of their content and check this show out on YouTube to listen to other episodes. So until next time, he's Adam. I'm Alex. Have a great night. We'll see you next week. Adios, doorknobs.